Did you have a favorite uh, teacher growing up? What was it about this person, do you remember, that made them your favorite? Did they take time to listen, to understand you? Uh, Did they uh, help you take your next steps in your educational development? I think my favorite teacher was Mrs. Dean in fifth grade. Uh, She was warm and and caring and accessible. Uh, She was a good listener, so you could go to her with any problem or concern that you might have. But she also expected us to do our best. You know, she didn't let you kind of, you know, be a slacker. Uh, she really encouraged you to, um, to do good work. And, you know, it's amazing that some 55 years later or so, give or take, um, I still remember some of the lessons and uh, some of the projects that she had us do. I think that's a, a sign of a good teacher, don't you? Well, we're in week seven of our uh, Godhead series, and we're talking about uh, today the role of the third member of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. Uh, We have been looking at uh, Jesus' farewell discourse found in John's Gospel, uh, chapter 14 through 16. And it's, it's called that, it's called the farewell discourse because Jesus is preparing his disciples for when he leaves. Basically, he's saying, I'm leaving soon, and here's how to get ready. Here's how to be prepared. And in these chapters, Jesus provides a lot of insight into the role of the Holy Spirit. Uh, last week, we learned that the Holy Spirit is our comforter, our advocate, our, 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 our um, helper and friend. Uh, today, we're going to learn that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And I'm reading from verses 23 through 26. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit is our teacher and our guide. And not only is he our teacher, but a reminder of everything that he has said. Think how necessary that would be as decades later after he spoke these words, uh, the disciples would have to sit down and record the events in what we call the Gospels. I mean, I can't remember something that somebody told me five minutes ago, let alone decades uh, later. You see, we cannot understand, we cannot hope to understand God's Word without the Holy Spirit inside of us. The Apostle Paul um, says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, these words, he said, These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except, except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And what we've received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Verse 13, 
This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. I remember in my state college, I had a, a brilliant professor who taught a class on, on Old Testament, but, but he taught it as literature. I learned almost nothing about the spiritual realities because they weren't spirit-taught words. You see the difference? And so before I, I read the Bible, um, I always ask the Holy Spirit, first of all, for help in understanding what those spiritual realities are what I need to know for, for my life. I ask him to help me to apply the scriptures to my daily living so that my relationships are impacted by what I learn in scripture, by the teaching of the Bible. See, the Holy Spirit will, will teach us the truth. He will teach us the truth about God. He'll, he'll teach us the, the truth about faith. He'll, he'll teach us the uh, truth about scripture. He'll help us in our prayer life. Like John 14, uh, Romans 8 has a lot to say about the Spirit-filled life. And in verse 26, Paul says, We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit, listen, the Spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans. You ever had times in your life, don't know how to pray? You have this given situation. Maybe it's a crisis, and you're like, God, I don't know how to pray for this situation. Paul says the Spirit will help us to pray because the Spirit knows our spirit. The Spirit knows our needs even better than we know our own, and the Spirit knows, of course, God's mind, God's thoughts, God's will. And so when the Spirit intercedes for us, we're going to see answered prayer. It's the Holy Spirit who, who helps me in my prayer life. When I need guidance on an important decision, He is there to show me the way. If you will take time to listen, He will guide you as you pursue your life purpose. This is so important. But a good teacher is also a good guide. Uh, John 16, uh, verse 13 says, The Spirit of truth will guide us into all truth. And we do that by walking in the Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 25, Paul writes, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now that word live is, is, is literally the word walk. And the picture here that, that Paul is painting for us is the spiritual life is a process. It's a journey. It's a, spirit, it's a process of walking. And so the spiritual life is, is also, it's a journey. It's a, it's, it's a pilgrimage. And so we don't just get saved and then we sit around and wait until we die and go to heaven. It's, it's this journey and the Spirit leads us, the Spirit guides us from where we are to where God wants us to be. And so we have to ask ourselves if we're in the same place spiritually that we were one year ago or, or five years ago or ten years ago, we need to ask ourselves why. Why am I not um, progressing in my spiritual journey? I don't know about you, but I find this spiritual journey is oftentimes an uphill journey. Don't you? It can be hard. Sometimes there's conflict between the old leftovers of the old life and, and where the Spirit is leading us to go. And so the only way to progress in this walk is to keep in step with the Spirit, you know. It's kind of like the marching band leader. He keeps everybody, you know, going the same direction, everybody going the same step. You get one person going the wrong direction, what happens to the marching band? Big failure. 
So this image presents the Holy Spirit as of being kind of like a guide. And don't you love to have a guide where you're going someplace you don't know where you're going? The other day I was uh, driving our staff. To, we were in northern Kentucky, and, and uh, uh, um, I, I had my GPS on. Now, I love my GPS, but I have to tell you, sometimes it takes me the wrong direction. Has that ever happened to you? A couple of you nodding your heads, yeah. So we were following the GPS, and, 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 and uh, we, I had no clue where we were going, but it led us to a dead end. And, and we could see our destination. It was about 400 yards that way, but we couldn't get through. There's this big wall of separation. The GPS didn't show us that, that barrier. Fortunately, there was one person in the car who did know where they were going and was able to get us around the barrier and, and back into our, our destination. Holy Spirit guides us. We see the Holy Spirit guiding all through the book of Acts. In, in, in chapter 13, there's this revival going on at the church at Antioch. Antioch was a major city north of, of Israel. And Luke writes that there, there were prophets and teachers there, and one of them is Barnabas. You may remember Barnabas. He was the one who, who went to Tarsus and brought Saul, now called Paul, back to Antioch to help lead the church that was there. And Luke tells us that as they are worshiping and fasting, that the Holy Spirit speaks and he tells them to set apart Paul and Barnabas for this new work that he's about to do. And in verse 4 it says this, the two of them were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. Man, wouldn't you love to be guided by the Holy Spirit? I mean, he's orchestrating this whole thing. And Luke goes on to tell us that they arrive at, at Cyprus and they encounter a false prophet named Bar-Jesus who tries to, to stop their missionary endeavors. And verse 9 says, But Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, stop making crooked the ways of the Lord. And he did. Spirit, the Holy Spirit gave Paul courage and boldness to stand against evil. And so what we see from beginning to end in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit guiding and, and directing uh, the church. We see it again in, in Acts chapter 15. There was a, a dispute among two different groups of Christians. Can you imagine that? Christians not agreeing on something. And, and, and it was between the mostly Gentile church in Antioch and the mostly uh, Jewish Christian church in Jerusalem. And they, they were just a point of doctrine and they were, they were clashing and they couldn't figure this out. And so they decide, hey, let's have a council and let's, let's make a decision here. And so they do. At, at first, neither side is willing to compromise. It threatens to split the church before it even begins. And yet as they go on, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit helps them to arrive at a decision. Verse 28, it says, It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Unity brought about by the Spirit of God. Two sides come together. These leaders of the church were so full of the Spirit that they were one in reaching a decision. I've seen that so many times as a pastor, and I'll bet you have too. Two or more sides arguing their case, unwilling to see the other person's point of view. And, and there's been times, I have to tell you, when I've gone home uh, almost in tears thinking, God, I don't see any way this is going to get resolved. I don't see any way there's going to be a, a reconciliation between these two opposing sides. And then it happens. The Holy Spirit shows up, shows us a new way. Brings unity. 
and the mission goes on. Now, it doesn't always happen. We know that. Sometimes the two sides never agree, and it results in pain and separation. But more often than not, if both sides want the will of God to be done, if they are listening, if they're willing to be guided, the Spirit will do that, and we'll see unity. Now, not only does the Spirit teach and guide, but it also tells us of what will be. Uh, We see this in Acts chapter 11, verse 27, a man named Agabus who had the gift of prophecy, came down from from Antioch and predicted a famine that would spread over the entire Roman Empire, and it does. And so the church uh, puts aside some money. It it takes up a collection to be able to provide for its members when the times get difficult. I can remember praying for direction for my life when I was a young person, trying to figure out what God wanted me to do with my life. And it was a person with a prophetic gift that told me that I would be ordained. There was nobody more surprised than me. I wasn't thinking about being a pastor. That was the farthest thing from my mind. But here I am, ordained. See, the Holy Spirit will guide us. The Holy Spirit offers to walk Uh, uh, with us as we go up this sometimes steep hill of spiritual growth and maturity. And like a good guide, the Holy Spirit won't walk for us, but he will walk beside us, inviting us to keep in step with his promptings, uh, teaching us to follow uh, his direction, to rely upon his encouragement and his strength. And as the Holy Spirit empowers our lives, we'll find freedom to begin to move forward deeper into the life of the Spirit. The spiritual life of following Jesus is is an uphill climb. It's not an easy stroll through the park. It's a lifelong journey of decisions and surrender and and transformation where we are changed, uh, you know, into people who love God with their whole hearts and and who love other people sacrificially. And sometimes the the, the trail looks dangerous. Sometimes it, it looks outright impossible when we face challenges that that threaten to overwhelm us did you see that the video this past week that went viral on social media of uh, of the guy being pursued by a cougar in california anybody see that okay not a single person i think in the other service the whole the whole crowd had so anyhow here was this mountain lion getting ready to devour this man he kept telling go away go away Sometimes we're like that, the evil that dogs us, that pursues us, that wants to devour us. Go away. Some people find the road too difficult, and they turn back. Sometimes we get lost. Sometimes we're overwhelmed. Sometimes we just defiantly sit down. We refuse to go any further. We can't do it. And yet, no matter what danger we encounter on this incredibly lifelong trail, we know the Holy Spirit, our guide, is there with us, offering us everything that we need to take that next step with Him. Maybe today you're feeling stuck. Maybe your spiritual life is not any different than it was a year ago or five years ago. Maybe you find yourself discouraged. Maybe you're feeling like quitting. Maybe you're feeling like going back to that old way of life. Let the Spirit of God fill you and teach you and guide you. But there's another component to the Spirit-filled life. We need to obey what we're taught. Let's go back again to our text 
And listen once more to verse 23 and 24. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. And anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Isn't it interesting how many times, both in John's gospel and in John's letters, his three letters, that the author connects love with obedience. In John's mind, love looks like obedience. That if you say you love God, then do what God says. That love is not just this warm, fuzzy feeling, but it results in, in, in the disciplined life. James says the same thing in his letter. He says, don't just be a, a hearer of the word. Don't let uh, the, the, uh, God's word go in one ear and, and out the other ear, but be a doer of the word. In other words, it's not enough just to know the truth. We've got to act on the truth. We have to live the truth. We have to practice the truth. We're not just auditing this thing, this class called life. We're doing it. We have to allow it to change us, to challenge us. Some years ago, after a Sunday, one Sunday after I finished preaching, a man came up to me and he said, you know, uh, Pastor, I didn't get much out of your sermon today. Now, I know a lot of people think that, <laughs> but not a lot of people have the guts to tell that to me to my face. So what can I say? I, all I could say was, you know, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll try harder next week. And he said, no, 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 you, you don't understand. He said, there was something in the Scripture that I was wrestling with. Something that I was struggling with. See, he had, he had the right idea. He was trying to listen to what God was telling him. We need to have this dialogue with Scripture. We need to respond to it. We need to allow it to change us. Not just let it go in one ear and out the other. We need to obey it. It's so important. And you know what? I would say it's not just the big things. And we know the big things. We don't, we don't lie, cheat, steal, those kinds of things. But I think it's the little things, it's the small steps of obedience, I think, that have the biggest impact upon our relationship with God. Remember when your parents, when you left home to go off to college or, or to go off to get that first job, remember your parents telling you, now don't forget to go to church. But how many of you did? <laughs> A couple of us might be able to raise up our hands. And we leave home, and with it, desire to be on our own. We don't want to be accountable to anyone. You know, I, I say over and over again, hey, it's so important to have a daily time with God. You need to read your Bible, and, and, and you need to have daily time with prayer. Every once in a while, I have some guy. There's always a guy that comes up to me and say, you know what? My wife reads the Bible for both of us. And I'm like, no, no, it doesn't work that way. You've got to read it yourself. But it's so easy to get busy and, and let other things get in the way. Do these little things really make any difference? I think they do. I read a story about a football coach in a small town who lost his daughter to a lingering illness. The family was devastated, but true to form, like every Sunday, they got up and the family went to church. And the first hymn was Amazing Grace. And they had sung that hymn so many times before. They didn't even need the hymnal. They knew the words by heart. But this time it had brand new meaning to the family. 
Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far. And grace will what? Lead me home. The man said, I thought nothing else. I thought of nothing else the rest of the day except those words, that hymn, over and over again. And they brought me the comfort that I was looking for. You see, it's the obedience to the little things that makes the difference. Years ago, when, when we lived in Columbus, uh, there was an incident that happened on, on Route uh, 71, just north of Columbus, an armored car, the, the back door swung open. Do you remember that story? And all these big uh, uh, piles of uh, wrapped in blue of 20s and, and 10s and 50s scattered all over around 71. I and mean, it was wall-to-wall it was -wall flying dollar bills, you know, on Route 71. And motors were, were stopping and picking them up. And one of them was a guy named Melvin Kaiser. And uh, he had recently bought a 40-acre Christmas tree farm, and he thought to himself, ah, there's my new tractor. <laughs> and he collected over $57,000 that day and put them in his car and returned them to the police station. He said, even some of my friends ribbed me about being so honest and taking them back. Everybody except his mother. <laughs> she said, I'm not at all surprised what Melvin did because that's the way I brought him up. <laughs> Melvin was responding the way that he had been taught by his mother. It's the little things. I want to close with just two little stories from Luke's gospel. Uh, there, there are two little stories that rarely ever get preached upon, but we find them in Luke chapter 2. And the first is about a man named Simeon. Uh, we know very little about him. I mean, he's certainly not a central character, but we know that he was a righteous man. We know that he was devout, a devout Jew, and that he was looking for the coming of the Messiah. We also learn that one day the Holy Spirit spoke to him, that he would see the Messiah before he died. Now, we have no idea how long he was waiting and looking. We know that he was an elder, elderly man, that he was close to death. And in fact, church tradition says that he was 110 years old. So he may have been waiting 50, 60, or 70 years after the Holy Spirit revealed this to him. And I can imagine waiting that long, there must have been times when, when it seemed hopeless, that it was never going to happen, that God's promise was never going to be fulfilled. And yet, he remained obedient and waiting and longing. And then one day, while sitting at home, the Holy Spirit prompts him. Simeon, today's the day. Arise and go to the temple. I imagine at first he must have thought that he was dreaming. Am I just a silly old man who's hearing voices? But he goes, he obeys. He will not miss this. And on tired but steady legs, he makes his way up the road towards the temple. And it's a climb for an old man. If you've ever been to Jerusalem, you know it's all uphill towards the temple. But his excitement carries him on. In the outer court, he, he hurries, and there he spies this, this young couple with a baby, and they are preparing to, to, to give to the priest a, a sacrifice of two young turtle doves. And again, he hears the quiet voice speak to him, Simeon, behold, the Messiah. And receiving permission from 
the parents, he picks up the child in his arms and he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon spent his life listening and obeying the Spirit, and he was not disappointed. Well, there's another character in that story, a minor character. Her name is Anna. She's a prophetess. And we learn that she had been widowed after only seven years of marriage. And rather than to remarry, she decided to devote her life to the Lord. You ever heard somebody describe this way? Every time the church doors are open, they're there. Well, that would have described Anna. Her life, her meat and drink was God. Day and night, she fasted and she prayed. Now, I'm not recommending that you be at the church uh, every time the doors are open. What I want you to understand is Anna's obedience, her devotion, her love for God. And while she's at the temple doing what she always did, the Spirit speaks to her and says, Anna, did you see that baby? That's your Savior. That's your Redeemer. That's your Lord. You see, obedience to the Spirit is essential to our spiritual growth. It makes a difference. It can make a difference in the lives of our children and grandchildren. A study done a few years ago disclosed some interesting statistics that if both mother and father attend church regularly, 72% of the children remain faithful. If only fathers attend, 55% remain faithful. If only mothers attend, 15% remain faithful. If neither parent attends, only 6% of the children will be in the church. It makes a difference. The example of obedience by parents is crucial for the children to be committed. I used to worry about my daughters. As soon as they left home, went to college, they stopped going to church. I mean, we never let them miss church. Even on vacation, we would, we would drag them off. We'd find a church and make them go. And when they stopped, I wondered, I wonder if they'll ever return. Well, they did. And now they're bringing their children to church as well. Yeah, obedience is hard, but I think it's worth it. Listen again to what Jesus said. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Did you hear that? The creator of the universe is offering to come and to live with you and love you and make his home with you. Is it worth it? Oh, yeah, I think so. Let's pray. Oh, God, what an amazing offer that you, our creator, would make your home with us. And so come, Holy Spirit, and fill us full of you once more. Be our teacher, be our comforter, be our advocate, be our counselor, be our guide, be our friend. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen.